Welcome to the Teaching Journeys podcast with Dave Roberts. A unique skill all humans have is the ability to share information across generations. And the Teaching Journeys podcast does just that. It creates learning opportunities with each amazing guest with a goal that each episode makes a positive impact on people worldwide. Before we hear from today's guest, please share this podcast with your family, friends, and colleagues, and don't forget to leave a rating, review, or both. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Teaching Journeys podcast. I'm your host, Dave Roberts, and today I have the pleasure of having as my guest, Nasreen Ahmed. Nasreen is the founder and CEO of Harbor Light Coaching and specializes in grief, loss, and major change. She helps clients find peace after a loss, divorce, or illness by supporting them and addressing their mindset, overcoming the hurdles of grief, and completing what's unfinished. Nasreen holds a professional certified coach credential from the International Coaching Federation and trained with grief expert David Kessler to become a certified grief educator. She lives in New York City with her husband and daughter and enjoys traveling, yoga, and hiking. Nasreen, welcome to the Teaching Journeys podcast. I'm very happy to have you on today. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. So I want to get right right down to it. Might as well get right down to the questions and and let's let's get into it. Please tell our listeners about the event or events that have shaped your life path up until this point in time. Absolutely. You know, I I think the biggest event that the most traumatizing event, I should say, that that made me pivot in a lot of ways was losing my sister. So this is almost 10 years ago, which is kind of hard to believe. I can't believe it's been almost 10 years. But my sister, I have two older sisters. It was the middle sister who passed away suddenly. She was 37 at the time. I was living in, in San Francisco in the Bay Area. She was out there for work and she passed away and it was a complete shock to all of us. And for me, it was not only incredibly traumatizing, but also a wake up call in a lot of ways of the fact that, you know, life could change at any minute. Life could be taken from us at any minute. We don't know what's going to happen. And it really had me start thinking about the way that I wanted to live my life and what I wanted to do and how I wanted to spend my time, who was most important to me. There was a lot of, in addition to the grief, of course, there was a lot of clarity in terms of what I didn't want anymore and what I wasn't willing to to do anymore. And so I made a lot of changes and, and went through a tremendous amount of grief in order to really uncover, really A, heal, and also then uncover what it was that I wanted to do. So it was a very intense and very painful journey, but I'm also so grateful to have been able to make make some good come out of something that felt very tragic. Yeah, I think that's a common ground with anybody I've talked to, you know, who's experienced catastrophic losses, their ability to find meaning and transcend that particular kind of loss. But you're right, it takes a lot of work. It does. We have to take a look at all of our priorities, all of our values, all of what we we held near and dear, and all of that gets put out on the table and reevaluated. And that is what makes the, the grief work so challenging is because of the intense cognitive work that goes into restructuring our assumptive world. Absolutely. Well said. Well, well thank you. I've, that was totally unrehearsed too, by the way. I know that's just, it's, <laughs> uh, it was totally unrehearsed. So 
but that's a something that uh, that that has occurred to me. What is your sister's name? My sister's name is Naveen. Okay, could Naveen. you Naveen? Okay, can you tell us more about Naveen? Can you tell us what type of a person she was? What she liked? What the significance of the relationship is to you? Sure, sure. She. Oh man, how do I describe Naveen? She was so witty and sarcastic and smart. I mean, she she skipped third grade. She could have skipped fourth grade too. My parents were like, maybe that's a little too much. She was just one of the smartest people I've ever known and incredibly, incredibly empathic. And and at the same time, you know, she had such a wit and, and sarcasm to her. And she was very brave in a lot of ways. You know, I remember years ago, I remember asking her to help me with something. And she's like, no. And I was like, well, are you busy that day? What's going on? And she's like, no, I just don't want to do it. I just don't want to. <laughs> I remember this <laughs> Nobody says that. Who says that? You know, but I love that about her. I love the fact that she was very unique and she was a big fan of theater. She actually worked in as a stage manager in theater. And she was a lot of the reason why I went into theater in my previous career. I worked as a, a costumer and did a lot of wardrobe for, for Broadway and, and television and such. And she was a big part of why I went into the theater in the first place, how I got my start in my first career. And also, coincidentally, a big start, uh, a big part of why I went into the grief work after I lost her. But yeah, she, you know, we had a, a tumultuous relationship. It wasn't like we were, you know, best friends for the entirety of our lives. We definitely had our ups and downs periods of time where we, we didn't really talk or didn't connect as much. And I think that's part of what had me feeling so guilty and heartbroken after she passed away was the time that I felt that I lost, mm -hmm. you know, over the things that felt less significant than they did at the time or or petty in some ways. You know, I, I really regretted some of the things that I had said or done to her. And it took a long time to, to work through that and forgive myself and recognize that our relationship was, you know, exactly what it was and nothing more. But it, there were definitely some really wonderful moments. And I'm also very lucky in the year before she passed, I had a conversation with her where I was able to tell her, like, you know, she was my hero when I was a child. She was one of my older sisters and I absolutely looked up to her. You know, I was like her shadow, you know, everywhere she, she went, I wanted to be everything she wore, everything she did, I wanted to do. And I just absolutely adored her. And I was able to tell her that I was able to share that with her and and to share how much I cared about her, how much she meant to me. And um, she, you know, I remember a lot of the conversation was her being like, wow, yeah, I never knew that. Wow, you didn't tell me that, you know. So that was one thing that did provide some comfort after she passed was knowing that there were some really important things that I wanted to share that I was able to share with her. And, and you know, I, I recently became an older brother at that Two years ago, I was an only child, and then through the wonders of AdvancedAncestry.com, I discovered I had a sister, believe it or not. So I, I, I was telling my wife, who's got five brothers and sisters of her own, I finally get the sibling bond. I get, because there's, there's those times where you're really at conflict with each other, but there's those moments where you are, you, you're grateful that you have a sibling because they, they're a confidant. There's some, somebody you can tell something to that you may not be able to tell anybody else to. And mm -hmm. I think for me, one of the things I've heard from other siblings is that losing that type of that confidant, that very unique relationship where you could tell your siblings things you couldn't, let's say, tell your parents or anybody else. When you lose that, you lose a big part of who you, who you are as a person and you lose a big part of 
of your relational world too. Absolutely. Absolutely. And what I, what I experienced was, was losing, you know, A, the first member of my immediate family. So both of my parents were still alive when she passed away. But also I, real, I realized there's very few relationships where there's that shared history, right? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, like I have two people, two people in the entire world who had a very similar upbringing and very, and we kind of shared similar experience or shared, you know, the exact same experience, you know, uh, throughout my life. You know, there were very few people that I could say that about. My, I didn't have a lot of cousins growing up. I had friends, but obviously we weren't around each other as all the time in the same way, in the same house. And so, you know, having that experience helped shape our relationship as well. And, so, and it very much influenced how we were able to interact when we interacted. And so as we got older, being able to reflect on those experiences, she would remember things that I had forgotten about or vice versa. You know, it's, it's very unique. There's very few relationships like the sibling relationship. And I think a lot of people, not everyone for sure, but a lot of people don't always recognize the importance of that. And I myself would be one of those people who, until I lost my sister, I didn't realize how valuable that really is. Yeah, and I mean, that segues into the next question for me, is what are the challenges inherent to sibling loss and make it so unique from other losses? From your experience, what do you see those unique challenges being? Well, there's a, there's a number of them. And I think the first is that, is that sort of loss of the history and the memories and, and that shared experience of growing up. You know, there's, again, very few people who can be in that role mm-hmm. and who are with us sort of our entire lives. And there's an expectation that they will be there for our entire lives, right? Like we grow up, we recognize that our parents are going to pass away at some point. We recognize that we're made you know, lose friends for whatever reasons, distance or time or life changes. But you sort of anticipate that your sibling will be there with you through the thick and thin, you know, even again, if things change, if you move, stuff Mm -hmm. like that. And so to recognize that that's not going to happen or have an experience where that doesn't happen is very jarring. You know, that in and of itself is is very unique to sibling loss and, and very hard in a lot of ways. And then also, you know, I experienced, and I know a lot of other siblings who have experienced this when they lost their, their, their um, sister or brother, they, a lot of people forget that you're grieving as well. You know, so I had a lot of people check in on my parents. They were like, how are your parents doing? What's going on? You know, how are they dealing with this? Of course, it must be so difficult for them. And of course it was. And I, I was very grateful that they were expressing, you know, concern and wanted to know. And, and sometimes they would remember to ask about me and sometimes they wouldn't, you know, but it was very difficult to, to have to answer questions like that when it's like, what about me? What about my grief? You know, I'm, sta- I'm the person standing right in front of you. I'm also grieving, you know? And so not that it was, you know, I, I didn't see it as rude. You know, I don't, I know they didn't mean it in a bad way, but was it was just sort of a, a, a disconnect. Mm-hmm. You know, there was some sort of cognitive dis- dissonance that didn't quite uh, match what I was experiencing, you know, mm-hmm. versus what they were asking about. And so I think that happens. And I know a lot of people I've worked with who the person might ask about, oh, oh your brother was married how, or how are the kids, you know, or something mm-hmm. like that. So it's, it becomes more about checking in on the rest of the family and less about checking in on you, the griever who lost your sibling. So that, that I think is also an unfortunate, but, but very common experience that, we'll, that we want to start to shift. We want to start to change over time. Yeah. And I've heard similar things and I, you know, I've run about similar things where everybody is so concerned about the parents that the siblings become the forgotten grievers. 
if the siblings might hear, oh, look, you have to be good for your parents. Don't cause them any more trouble because, you know, just be good, be kind. And it's like, well, what about my grief? You know, I've lost a very significant relationship. I'm going through my assumptive world has been shattered. I'm trying to figure out what I'm going to do without my brother or sister, just like my parents are. So that's where the, the similarities are, though the relationships there for the similarities there. Why isn't my grief being as acknowledged? And in that sense, do you think it can almost become disenfranchised grief if the sibling's grief is ignored over repeated occasions? Do you think? Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. And and I have spoken with people who do feel like that, like they're not really allowed to grieve because they are trying to take care of their their siblings, children, or they are trying to care, take care of their parents. And I, to a certain extent, had that experience myself where I was very much like I had to become my mother's, you know, therapist is the wrong word, you know, but like to a certain extent, I had to be her counselor and she was asking for a lot of advice and, and needed quite a bit for me. And, you know, and I felt like it was my responsibility, but I also knew that I was not supposed to be that person that it you know i needed to tend to my own grief and i needed a therapist and i needed support and i needed all the things as well and so i do think there is an element of of for most grievers but particularly for siblings where we do sort of have to put our grief aside for a while to tend Mm -hmm. to Mm -hmm. all the other people in our lives who may have been affected by the the sibling loss and so absolutely it can very much turn into a, a situation where people feel disenfranchised or ignored well and i'll tell you to me now, Serene, that sounds like a lot of work for a sibling to put aside their grief, take care of everybody else, particularly in early grief when energy is at a, at a premium. That's got to be draining physically, emotionally. And I'm sure you've probably seen that play out in your coaching practice. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and actually, one of the things I always talk about people from the get-go is like how to start taking care of themselves or getting the support that they need particularly if they are caregivers, you know, sometimes we can't help but fall into that role for whatever reason, or there is nobody else, you know, so we have to assume that role. Um, but I always talk about like, how can you make sure you're getting your needs met as well? Because you can't fill an empty, you know, from an empty cup. And most of us, when we go through a loss, even if it wasn't a sudden loss or a traumatic loss, mm-hmm. um, we're empty you know, or, or damn near it. No, oh, yeah, for sure. I know. For me, from my own experience, after my daughter transitioned, I mean, I was running, my fumes were running on fumes, but I just, I had, I had to keep moving. I had to keep, you know, I had to keep moving towards something, even though I didn't know what it was, what I was moving towards until I could see a a light that kind of could give me a ray of hope to take the next step. But it, it was extremely draining and it was extremely tiring for me to have to, to take those steps, but it was necessary for me to get to the point where I, I'm at, as I'm sure it was for you and anybody else who is trying to work through grief and trying to move forward in their grief. And that's why support is so important. You know, community is so important and whatever form or fashion that looks like for people, you know, sometimes it is getting professional support. Sometimes it is about family. Sometimes it is about friends, coworkers, strangers, support groups, you know, sometimes a combination of all of the above, right? Whatever, I always talk about whatever it takes, you know, if it means reaching out to people you haven't talked to in a while and getting support that way, if it means training the people in your life, this is how, this is what to say or not to say to me, this is how I'm feeling right now. I don't even know what I need, but I just, I would love to have some company, you know, whatever it is, but like learning to express yourself enough that you can start to get support. You know, that's something I focus on a lot because it is, it's incredibly draining and, and 
it's not, I, I don't think that we're meant to go through grief alone. I don't think that we as humans, as social creatures, are meant or intended to grieve by ourselves in a, in a silo. I think we, we need that community. We need those people around us. And I, I think humans can't live for any great period of time, at least qual a quality life, if they're totally in isolation from, from others. We need the company of other individuals. I mean, we do need, obviously, our quiet time, but we also have to balance that out with reaching out for support and connecting socially, which is why COVID was such a challenge for, for students. It was such a challenge for practitioners. It was a challenge for everybody because we lost that in-person social connection with the pandemic. And now we're just slowly regaining that, you know, regaining that connection. And as an educator, I realized that Zoom is great for specific things, but not long-term for trying to, to, to do classwork, classroom work. It's, it's very difficult for everybody, I think, to stay engaged because it's an impersonal environment, more impersonal than, than the, the in-person stuff. Let me ask you another question. This just came to me now. How much research has actually been done on sibling grief? Because the last time I looked, there wasn't much. And I don't know if that's changed. Yeah. I mean, I honestly have not seen anything new recently. I might be mistaken. There might be more going on than I'm aware of, but I have not, I have not seen a lot. Like I think again, even during COVID, you know, a lot of the loss is more, is more, I don't say traditional, but like, you know, it's about loss of a sibling, uh, loss of a spouse, of a parent, of a child. You know, mm -hmm. I think there's sort of these extreme or extremely common, I should say, losses that are more focused on, even though sibling loss is also obviously very, very common. It's less focused on. It's less in the mainstream eye, so to speak. Do you have any idea why that's the case? I mean, other than, I know we've kind of alluded to it, but do you have any other ideas in terms of why it's not, a, it's not an area of grief that's overly researched? I don't, honestly. I mean, I did watch a TED Talk recently about sibling loss. I can't, I wish I remembered the name of the speaker, um, but he has done some research or, or, and focuses on the relationship of the sibling. It wasn't necessarily, the TED Talk wasn't about sibling loss per se, but it included a bit of it. So the TED Talk was about the relationship and the, the, the special nature of sibling relationships. But he, as far as I can remember, was the last sort of thing that I saw that was new, you know, sort of in terms of sibling loss. But I don't know. I mean, I think it, it is just about people not really recognizing it. And like you said, you know, and, and even the, the counselor in my support group said years ago, you know, siblings are considered the forgotten griever. And there are other people who fall into the category of forgotten griever, but siblings are usually the, the sort of main contenders. Yeah. You know, the thing that I can only think of is that the research has kind of been cloaked in what is the impact of the death of a child on the rest of the family unit. And it may, but also what you mentioned that was kind of telling to me is that from what I heard, it's like after your sister, your sister passed, it seemed like your role in the family changed. You became your mother's, you know, kind of confidant, comforter, and I would think, and have you seen that in your coaching practice as well, too, where, especially with younger siblings, that those roles tend to shift, that they may assume the role in the family that their deceased sibling had, or they may take up some of the other activities and honor of and with their, so let's say if a deceased sibling was a good athlete, a good softball player, they may choose to, to, to pick up that mantle in honor of their, to continue that work. I don't. I, I've read that that is a, that is an occurrence. But have you seen that play out with with several of your clients? 
as well, too. Absolutely. Absolutely. I have a lot of clients who've said, you know, I have to be strong for this person for, you know, usually it's a parent or their brother-in-law, sister-in-law, but they're very often like assume or feel that they have to assume a role now that Mm -hmm. didn't, that was already full before. Right. Mm -hmm. And, or they do have to kind of, like I did step in and be that sort of comforter. And, and in some ways I was that person for each member of my family, you know, uh, not just one person. And I've seen that with, with some of my clients too, where it's like, no, they have to tend to their, their, both their parents and then other siblings or other, you know, the children that may have been involved, et cetera. So it is, it is unfortunately common. And in some ways, again, very detrimental to the griever, to, to the person, to the sibling who's going through the loss as well. But I think that there's a lot of assumptions. I don't even think it's, it's specific to any one culture. I, but I think it's very common among most cultures where it's like the children then have to, at some point, have to assume responsibility or care of the parents. And especially when they go, when they go through a loss, even if the, if the parents aren't necessarily old, quote unquote, older, mm-hmm. that, that child still feels like, oh, I need to tend to their grief. I need to take care of them. I'm now responsible for how they feel or, or for their healing. And I do think a lot of people will also sort of take up certain mantles, whether it's a tradition at Christmas, you know, if it was, if somebody, you know, if the sibling was the person who did the cooking or did the hosting or whatever, <laughs> then, okay, the sibling will then, yeah, you know, the surviving sibling will then take on that role or responsibility. So I think it is pretty common and it, and it seems to be um, common across a lot of the cultures of people that I've worked with, not just Americans, but um, certainly uh, uh, European, South, South Americans and, and so a Middle Eastern, so on. Yeah, it's, yeah, I think there's certain things that will transcend cultural lives too. There's certain traditions and certain, certain role, I don't want to say reversals, but role adaptation or adjustments that are going to be made, you know, and I think those are going to be, going to be universal as well too. And I, I, I agree with that. Thanks for sharing that too, as far as those a lot of times it's important. I know, I know it's important to look at the diversity and to be too culturally sensitive treatment, but we also have to take a look at the commonalities as well, too. And, you know, so I think it, I think it's, it works both ways. So, so tell me, how can society best support siblings who've experienced the death of a brother or sister? What can we do as a society to be, to be more responsible? Well, you know, I think a lot of it is is what we've already been talking about, which is ask about that person standing in front of you first. You know, be be aware and, and tend to as much as you can, you know, tend to the person in front of you first before asking about other family members. You know, so if you have a coworker who's lost a sibling, ask how they're doing, what's going on for them, you know, how are they feeling, how are they coping? And then you can ask about is it children or if there was a spouse or like parents, et cetera. You know, what I mean, like, but I think really tending to and putting the person in front of you first, that goes a long way. You know, I, I think more so than people might imagine or understand. It really, really goes a long way because, again, most people aren't doing that. And so even if there's one or two per- people in the griever's life who's doing that, that can be you know, tremendous, tremendous help. And I think, I think it would be wonderful to see more research out there done on the impact of sibling loss. I think it would be beneficial in a lot of ways to understand what it means to lose a sibling, you know, how those, those roles in the family will change. And also, again, kind of looking at highlighting the sibling relationship and kind of how that person is with you 
throughout you know, all of your child, hopefully all of your childhood and all of your adulthood. And there are very few people who will survive that in the span of your life, who will survive that entire time, you know? And so looking at the, the relationship itself and recognizing and honoring how important it is or significant it is. And then I think, you know, for anybody who's going through a sibling loss, I think, I, I hope that they just feel validated in, in what we're talking about today and also are able to find ways to ask for support. Again, whatever that looks like for them, you know, however they need to communicate it, but like really being able to get their needs met so that they don't feel like a forgotten griever, so that they're not just filling the role or assuming responsibilities without really being able to tend to their own grief. Or simply just being the gatekeeper and being the, you know, how your parents doing and being that kind of go-between and not being treated mm -hmm. like that. And one of the things I tell my students in my death, dying, and bereavement class at Utica University, because many of them would be working with children and families, and I yeah. said, you know, even if you look at cancer, for example, four out of five children who get childhood cancer, they end up going to remission, but about one in five families are going to experience the death of a child due to cancer. And so there's going to be other siblings involved. Make sure you don't forget the siblings. Make sure you don't forget the siblings. We make their grief a priority. Not how are your parents doing? How are you doing today? What, what do you need from me at this moment? How can I be of assistance? How can I be of support? Allow them to share their story about the relationship with their brother or sister. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I mean, I'm, I'm so glad that there are people out there like you that are teaching that and are focusing on it because it really isn't something that's, that's spoken about enough or focused on enough. Well, and it needs to be. It needs yeah. to be talked about more. We need to be able to, to have those conversations and we need to honor sibling grief as much as we honor any other grief. And that needs yeah. to be put up there with the same priority as we do others. So Oops. before I get into your quote on your Harvard Light Coaching website, which I, I, I really like, how did you, what was the inspiration for Harvard Light Coaching? What is the mission? What do you hope to accomplish with, with what you're doing, you know, you know, with, you know, with your, with Harvard Light? Yeah. Yeah, you know, I, I worked with someone specifically for the branding and I was very clear that I wanted this idea of some stability within, uh, within all the chaos of grief, you know, and, and that's really where the Harbor Light came in. It's that idea of like amidst all the storm and the waves and the craziness and like the feeling like you're drowning or sometimes there's calm and sometimes it's just super cloudy, right? Whatever it is that there's beacon, you know, that that's really there for you that to, to help support you, to help guide you, to help bring you back to shore, bring you back to safety. And that's really kind of the, the, the thought behind it and also the mission behind it. You know, my, my intention is really to be able to support as many people as I can who've gone through loss or going through some, some, some terribly challenging, you know, a lot of upheaval in their lives. I want them to know that there, there are safe people out there. There are safe places for them to be able to process and deal with their grief. And also when they're ready, if they're ready, when they're ready to look at what's next, you know, to, to look forward and, and see that there is light, you know, that there is hope. There is, even if it's just a, a tiny little speck in the, in the horizon, there is light and hope for them in the future. And, and, you know, when they're ready again to be able to, to explore, okay, what do I want my life to look like now? I've gone through this heartbreaking experience. I've been able to process it and I'm, I'm coming out right now looking at like, 
do I want to change my career? Do I want to change uh, some relationships? Do I want to build a relationship? Do I want to, you know, move? Do I want to take an adventure? What is it that I want for my life? And a lot of people find that it's about creating and, and creating or um, repairing relationships with the mm-hmm. people that they love and being very clear about this is how I want to spend my time. This is who I want to spend my time with. And these are the, the non-negotiables, right? These are the things that absolutely I will not live without anymore. You know, by the way, too, thank you for the great work that you do to help others do a burrito. I looked at your website and it's just, you have a plethora of services and resources and your clients are very lucky to find you. So thank you for the work that you do, Nesreen. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much for saying that. You're welcome. On your website, it says, don't let grief hold you back from living an extraordinary life. And I really love that. Can you elaborate on how embracing this mantra can help individuals effectively transform or move through grief? You know, I think there are times where we can get stuck. You know, we get stuck in our grief and and get um, so bogged down in it that we forget that that it's okay to continue living. And Mm -hmm. And more than that, it's okay to continue living a life Excuse me. it's okay to continue living a life that you really love. And I think that um, I want people to understand that, you know, we do have to process. We do have to go through the hard and the challenging. We have to go through and feel all the feelings of grief. But at some point, we also have to remember that we want to live and we want to live a good life. Mm-hmm. We want to live an extraordinary life, whatever that means to that person. You know, for me, it was about changing a lot of things, including finding a new career, finding a new place to live, changing the way that I work so that I could travel and work, you know, doing a lot of things that felt like they were very important to me personally, you know, and, and like you said, recognizing those new priorities. And so that's what I want people to understand is that grief doesn't have to hold you back. Grief doesn't have to be the thing that stops your life from from continuing or even more than that, grief can be the catalyst for making the changes that are going to make your life amazing. Yeah, and I've always said, you know, that, you know, I've come to believe that life isn't always fair, but how we handle life is contingent, I think, on how we transcend the challenges that are inevitably going to be presented to us. And and that's basically, I, to me, and what I've learned is really the sign of a, of a quality of life is, is how do we handle challenge? How do we transcend? How do we continue to grow through it, regardless yeah. of the type of loss that we've experienced or the type of tragedy that we've experienced? So please give our listeners one or two takeaways from your own life path that can help them effectively navigate or transcend challenge, however they define challenge to be. You know, one of the things that I didn't know or understand when I first lost my sister was that grief will evolve and change just as we evolve and change over time. And so I think it's really important. It's one thing that I highlight a lot with people who are grieving, especially in those early days, is that you won't always feel this way. You know, it, you, you won't always be in this much pain every single day, every single minute. You know, you will find some comfort, you will find some joy, you will find some, some way to move through this. And so just remember that your grief will change. It will evolve. It will grow and shift and shrink and, you know, all the different things that you, you will as a person as well. And so remember that, that how you feel today is just how you feel today. 
you know, how you feel tomorrow, how you feel next week, how you feel next year, five years will be very different than how, how you feel in this moment. And that was absolutely something I didn't understand until I experienced it myself. And I think it's so, so important for people to, to remember because it can give comfort. It can give hope that, okay, maybe if I just can make it through the day, then tomorrow might be a little bit better, might be a little bit easier. And then I know a lot of people don't like to hear this, but I do talk a lot about being resilient and what it means to be resilient. You can't be resilient if you've never gone through anything difficult. Mm -hmm. You can't be resilient if you've never been challenged. And so, of course, we don't want to go through, through a challenge like a loss. We don't want to lose our people. And I absolutely honor and respect that. And if there's a way to find meaning in it, if there is a way to find something that can help support you, help honor your person, help you make something out of the tragedy that you've experienced, you know, part of that can, can help you be resilient uh -huh. and teach you how to be resilient for future losses or future challenges in life. So I do talk, tend to talk about becoming resilient through those challenges that we experience and hopefully being able to find, you know, a meaningful way to express that. Very well said and some words, some really, really good words of wisdom for sure that I think we can, anybody younger roles can, can take with and apply in any, any stage of their lives. So, so with that, if people wanted to connect with you, find out more about your services, what's the best way to get in touch with you? And also, what do you currently have going on that you would like our, our listeners to know about? Uh, best way is through my website, actually, harborlightcoaching.com. I have not been using social media as much as I quote unquote should lately, and that's fine. But And I, I'm currently actually doing quite a bit in my personal life. And so professionally, it's just, you know, smooth sailing, knock on wood. But I do have a couple of opportunities for group coaching. But for mostly at, the, at this moment, I'm just doing individual one-on-one -on -one coaching. So if anybody wants to reach out, they can check on my website, sign up for a free consultation, and we'll go from there. Beautiful. And, and trust me, if you connect with Nasreen, it'll be time well invested. And I want to thank you so much for being, being a part of the Teaching Journeys podcast, our first season. And I hope we can do a return engagement at some point. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I want to, I also want to take a moment to acknowledge you for all that you're doing with both through your teaching and, and with your individual clients, you know, to be able to help so many people and help them really understand what grief is like, how, how to move through it, how to process it, and also how to help support, you know, potential grievers that, that they may come across. Like, I think it's amazing work that you're doing. Well, thank you. And I do what I, the vision for this podcast that I had was that we could have these type of meaningful conversations that would inspire not only the, our present generation, but future generations as well, that the teachings that all of my, the individuals who come on the podcast share are going to carry on for generations. And that's, uh, that's, that's my, my hope that the teachings go on long before, long after we, we go on, we, you know, we do so. So, so with that, um, that is a wrap on another episode of the Teaching Journeys podcast. I'm your host, Dave Roberts, wishing you peace. Thank you for listening to this episode. And please remember to share this podcast with your family, friends, and colleagues. And don't forget to leave a rating, review, or both.